Father God, as we come around your word today, Lord, would you still our hearts? Would you speak, Lord God? Would you cause us to stand in your presence? Lord, would you feed us and sustain us with your word, Lord God? Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Darren, can I ask you to click on the... Sorry, otherwise they won't get the scriptures up on the screen. So as I said, I'm going to be um, reading from Ezekiel 37. It's a scripture we know well about the dry bones. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very, very dry. And then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. You know, our bodies don't function without bones. Our bodies need bones. They keep things in place. If you've ever broken a bone, you know how unfunctional your arm or your leg or your finger, whichever you've broken, has become. You know, that bone needs to be realigned and then set. You know, uh, bones are there. And what's very interesting, I don't, I, I don't know what kind of TV programs you watch, but I do love things like CSI. And I've been told that a doctor can look at almost any bone and know from what part of the body it's from. No bone is exactly the same. Some of them are similar. I guess the vertebra the, 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 our ribs look fairly similar, but you can, you can work out where they belong in the body. So you could pick up any bone out of the ground and say what part of the body it was from. So each of those bones has a purpose. Each of those bones has been designed with something in mind to help us to breathe, to cause us to stand, to cause us to be able to hold something. And so even though, as, as Ezekiel was, was told, these bones, each of those bones had a purpose. Each of those bones had design. But alone, bones can do nothing. I've seen pictures of, of, of skeletons laid out on tables where every, every bone has now been laid out. And that's the sum of the bones of a person. And yet, without them we can do nothing. But without everything else, the bones can do nothing elsewise. And so these dry bones, can they live? And Ezekiel said, you know, O oh God. And what did he say? He said, prophesy to these bones. Hear the word of the Lord. What is your purpose? Why are you here? And thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely 
I will breathe breath into you and you shall live. You know, one of the things that I can say is that things that cause me to stand in strength and cause my spiritual man to be strong is the word of the Lord. There are truths that I can declare out of this Bible that actually cause me to be strong and join together some of the things that I believe and know. You will probably have some favourite scriptures. There'll be some scriptures that resonate to you today. I remember a famous preacher in Staines being asked um, what his favourite scripture was. And he, he very readily gave an answer straight away. It was one of the Psalms. And later on, he was asked a different question. And he said, well, yesterday, my favourite scripture was this. And the interviewer said, well, no, you just told us your favourite scripture was this one. He said, well, that was yesterday. And today's this one. He said, because the word is fresh and living. And actually, my favourite scripture is the one that God wants me to lay hold of today. And so the bones of my faith are built upon things that God speaks to me. And I hope that to be true for you. The bones of your faith, speak to them that they might live. Because bones need to be connected together. Bones need to be connected together. And then Lord God talks about sinews, joining the bones together. You know, each of those bones can be joined together with sinews. The kind of connectors. And we're connected to one another in love and in hope. We're connected to our community with purpose. How well do we know our neighbours? Let me ask you not, do you know your neighbour's first name, but do you know their surname? Do you know their family name? Do you know when their birthday is? I've been really challenged in the last few weeks with trying to be a good neighbour to students. And I'm, I'm putting it that way around. I'm not talking about, I'm, can only, the bit that I can influence is my part in this. You know, and when, when, when you have a noisy neighbour and uh, they wake you up in the middle of the night, it's very easy to get reactive. I think, what part can I play in this? What part can I connect to my community and to my neighbours? What sinews can I lay down that cause me to be connected to others so that the bones of my life can be connected to others and we can build together to make community live, to make church live? I wonder if you think about the person you're sitting next to right now in church. How is their week? Even though maybe you've seen them every week for weeks and months. How was their week? How is their week? How are they doing? Then he goes on to talk about skin and muscles. Skin to cover and to protect all that is joined together. The covering that is the Holy Spirit. And so it goes on to say in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came over them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. So now they look more like a body. Now that they look like they were more connected. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, 
and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. An exceeding great army. The Bible says there are more for us than there are against us. Do you know we are not alone? Scripture also talks about the darkest part of the night. Think about the last time you were woken up with a worry. I, 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 I recently uh, updated my, um, my Fitbit to try and keep myself healthy and well. But it also tells me how well I sleep. And I didn't realise how badly I slept. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, now, I'm changing my prayer time at the moment before I go to sleep just to say, Lord, give me a good night's rest. And it's obviously something that's going on in here that's disturbing me. I'm sure, pretty sure it's not the dog or the wife or anybody else. It's just you know my brain. My brain muddling over things, white, processing things. You know, peace is something we need in our sleep as well as in our living time, as well as in our, our conscious time. You know, God can give us rest. God can give us peace. He is able to. And so it goes on to say there in verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Then I have opened your graves, O people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. I just didn't finish that final point there. I just realized that, you know, part of the reason why I was talking about sleep was this, was that when I wake up in the middle of the night, even though I'm lying next to my wife, it's, it's quite a lonely place when you wake up in the dark. Where am I? What time is it? What day of the week is it? What am I worried about? And you know, things can overwhelm us. Do you know, that's the place when we need to lean on God. That's when we need to trust in God. That's when we need to ask God to help us. He's the one who's available. He's there. If we reach out our hand in the darkness, he is there for us and with us. Our God, who's a great God, who loves you and loves me. He wants to speak into our lives in the darkness and in the daytime. When we're good and when we're not so good. Because his word is living and effective. And so when Ezekiel was encouraged to speak to the dry bones, prophesy. Prophesy means to speak on behalf of God. Prophecy is to encourage, to comfort and to exhort. I don't know whether you've ever had a prophetic word that says, I, I remember one, I was teaching a prophetic conference and I remember a man came up to me and said, I have a prophetic word, uh, I, I had a prophetic word given to me and I want you to help me to process it, Pastor. And I said, Okay, tell me about it then. He said, well, I had a man come up to me and say, the wife you have is not the wife you should have. He has a better one for you. I said, well, you know, I'll be really honest with you. That's not my understanding of the way prophecy works. Prophecy has to align with scripture. And if it's counter to scripture, then immediately test it and start to say, is that really you, Lord? Because it needs to line up with God's word. And God's word says that the prophetic is to comfort and to exhort and to encourage. So if thus says the Lord, you've done a bad job, 
Well, that doesn't really encourage and comfort you. And I listened to what Ezekiel was encouraged by the Lord to prophesy to these bones. Speak encouraging words. Speak life. Your life is encouraging. Now, I remember being in Tenerife with Jill. You remember being in Tenerife, Jill? And uh, we were there after a service, and the service had all been in Spanish, and I spoke a little Spanish. I think, Jill, you spoke a little less than that. Um, and after the service, Jill was going around encouraging people, speaking to different people after the service. And uh, we were having tea and coffee and cake and other things. And I remember seeing Jill going and sitting next to a young man. She said, I'm just going to go and encourage this young man. And off she went. She went and sat with him. And she was chatting away to him. And, you know, you could see, tell from her body language she was encouraging him. And uh, I spoke to the lady I was with and said, that young man who's talking to Jill over there, does he speak any English? And she said, I don't think so. And so I asked her to go across and she, do you know what? Jill didn't care. She was going to encourage anyway. Yeah, and you can be encouraged even if you don't understand the words that people are saying. People will give you a slap on the back. They'll grab your hand and shake your hand. They'll smile at you. They'll look at you. Yeah, and I'm sure the words that were translated into Spanish ultimately were encouraging as well. But to speak life into one another. And you know, I don't think that's just for the church. I really don't. I think that we need to be encouragers in the community too. When you see somebody do a good thing, encourage them. When you see them... Uh, break forth and do something incredible, then encourage them. Uh, a scripture I've already quoted this morning, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We used to have a lady who used to come to our senior citizens lunch. She's now with the Lord. Her name is Emily. She was 83, 93, sorry. And uh, I remember her telling me that scripture is true to me every day. Dave, that's true to me every day. I said, what makes you say that, Emily? She said, sometimes I'm sitting in my chair and I want to get up and go and make a cup of tea. And I put my arms on the arms of the chair. She had one of those chairs with strong arms. And she'd push down and she, she said, I'd half get up and then I wouldn't quite make it. And I'd sit down again. She said, sometimes I'd try two or three times and then I'd think, oh, I'll have the cup of tea later. And she said, no, I won't. And she'd say, God, would you help me out of my chair? And she said, without fail, every time she'd push down, she'd stand up. And she was able to make her cup of tea. She said, God has never failed me. And there was a 93-year-old who was encouraging me to lay hold of a simple scripture and apply it. And I want to encourage you, church, and for those people listening online, for those people listening later, speak hope, speak encouragement, speak life. Prophesy. Because the other thing about prophecy is it's, 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 it's about a dimension of sight. You know, hindsight is a perfect thing. We can look back because we now know. But actually, hindsight, where we are looking through God's eyes. If you've ever looked back without glasses and you need glasses, it's just a blur. But actually, if we put the glasses that God wants us to put on, we can see things. Not necessarily rose-tinted, but we see things in history in a different perspective. And we can bring revelation and understanding to other people. Again, uh, I was in a Starbucks coffee shop. And quite a while ago now, and it was one of those coffee shops which was strangely shaped. So I, I, I ended up sitting in the corner, and I could see all across Starbucks. And this girl was sitting there. I guess she was uh, Italian. I, I don't know. She, I heard her speak on the phone. I think it was Italian. Not sure. Um, but on the table next to her, sitting on the other side of the aisle, 
a young girl came in and sat down with her coffee and then another friend came and joined her and they started talking animately. And it was quite clear, you couldn't avoid their conversation. They were both students, they'd both done their A-levels, they'd both just finished their first year at university and this was the first time they'd met, they'd gone to different universities and they were talking about their experience at university. And they were both clearly Christians. And you couldn't, only not, I was three tables away and I could not avoid hearing what they were saying. The whole, they were so animated, they were so excited to tell stories of one another. And they were talking about how they prayed for various things and God had answered prayer. They'd seen healings in their Christian unions. And I saw this girl on the table next to them. She was quite clearly listening. The way her body was, she was listening to what they were saying. Um, at one point, they shared an amazing testimony, which made the girl on the second table sit and cry. And eventually she got up and she left. And I'd seen this go on. And I thought, OK, I need to tell them something of the impact that they've had, because they have no idea. They've encouraged me, and I was sitting three tables away. They certainly touched this, I guess, Italian girl. And so I went up to them and said, I'm, I, hope, I don't want to interrupt your conversation, but I just want you to know something. That your, the overflow of your conversation has it impacted others. And so I want to encourage you, allow the overflow of our lives to overflow into other people's lives. Because it's the life of God that's in us, overflowing in ourselves, that will impact and touch others. We are not alone. Even in the darkest part of the night, we are not alone. Even when we feel like we're alone, we are not alone. Because God is with us, he's for us, and he's not against us. So speak forth these words with hope, with purpose, and with boldness. For our God is a great God. And as we bring together the purpose of God, as we bring together the connectedness of community and church, as we bring in the life of the Spirit that God wants to... God did not leave us either. It was so, The disciples said, oh, our, our, our teacher, our rabbi, he's died. What are we going to do? But Jesus rose again. And as he ascended to the Father, he said, I do not leave you. My Holy Spirit will fall upon you. And greater works will you do than I have done. Now, I don't know what, what Bible you read, but when I read the Bible, it's full of amazing stories. What happened in Jesus' life? You know, the dead were raised, the sick were healed, the deaf were made to hear, the blind could see. You know, I haven't seen half of those things yet, and I'm thinking, well, and the Bible says greater things? Well, And so I kind of want to end with a story to encourage you, but also to just show you that uh, you know, it's, it's a journey. I know some of you have heard this story before now, but uh, uh, I was um, meant to be traveling to Mexico a number of years ago and speak at a conference. And I don't know what you think when you travel, but all I need to know is who's meeting me at the airport and what's the first thing that's going to happen. To be honest, everything else changes. So there's no point in planning the whole week or two weeks or whatever. So all I needed to know, so I rang up Habakkuk, that was the name of the guy who was going to, spelt differently, spelt with C's, not K's, but um, Habakkuk was going to be meeting, I thought he was going to be meeting at the airport. He was the host for the conference. So I rang him up on the Saturday and said, Habakkuk, um, who's meeting him at the airport? Um, and what's the first thing you want me to do? And I was meant to be traveling on the Tuesday. He said, Dave, did you not get my email? I said, what email? He said, the conference has been canceled. I went, oh, well, my ticket's booked. 
and my hotel halfway through the trip's booked. I believe it's right, so I'm coming. He went, oh, well, there won't be a conference for you to speak at. I said, well, okay, I'm still coming. Um, and Jesus, who is now back in Mexico, he got on the phone and rang a few people. I guess the point I'm trying to make to you is this was completely unplanned and unprepared. So I ended up visiting places where I didn't know people. And the last, the last place I spoke in was a traditional Methodist church. I want you to get a picture of a, this, this particular church. Um, the ladies sat on one side, the men sat on the other. The ladies had coverings over their hair. Um, and I was told, Dave, do not prophesy, do not lay hands on people. Just preach a good preach and sit down. And I went, okay. So I, I spoke on the life of Joseph. I finished and I went across to the pastor and through Claudia, my translator, I said, Pastor, um, I have finished. If you'd like me to pray for anybody, I'd clearly be happy to do so. But if not, I will sit down and I'm done. As the man of authority in this place, I submit to you, what would you, what would you like me to do? And he said, he said back again through Claudia, my, my translator, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for this one young lady. And he went to the back of the church and he brought forward a young lady. She said, this young lady has, has been a Christian five weeks and her baby is three weeks old. Would you pray for her child? Now, I don't know what you'd say in that particular moment, in that particular point. But I said, of course. I took the baby who was wrapped up and covered up and, and so I, I didn't, you know, covered over. And I said, how can I pray? By which point the baby was crying. Oh, OK, I've got this crying baby in my hands. How can I pray? I said, well, the baby's been born with no eyes. Can you pray? Now, I don't know what you're like. But, you know, I prayed prayers for God to heal. I prayed for God to take away stomach aches, and I prayed for various things, and God has done those things. I'd never before that moment had to pray for God to create something that was not there. So this was a moment of faith for me. I'd never even had to pray this kind of prayer before. I didn't even know. How do you, what's, the, what's the right way to pray for these things? I don't know. I can't remember it being in the Bible. Is it in the Bible somewhere? I couldn't remember, and so I just said, yes, I'm happy to pray. It was the only thing I could say, and I prayed the best prayer I could possibly pray. And to this day, I don't know whether that child has had any answer to prayer at all. But for me, the miracle was what then happened. Because the pastor then turned to the church and said, church, if you'd like prayer, please come forward. And he and I prayed for the next, well, it was a long time. Three quarters of the church came forward for prayer. We saw God answer prayer. We saw people healed and we saw God touching people and so even when there seems like there is no possibility there is a possibility even when a door seems shut he's clearly said to me Dave don't promise I don't pray just sit down and shut up and all I did was I just went to him and just said sir you are the man of authority in this place I submit to you uh, you know if I'm done I'm done and afterwards we were having uh, lunch together and again, through the translator, I said, I'd just like to understand, Pastor, what happened. He said, would well, you know, uh, we don't do prayer in the way we did it today. We've, ne we've never done it before in this church. He said, but I, when you came to me and said you'd be willing to pray, I brought the one person I could not pray for. He said, I don't even know how to pray in my own private time for this, this young lady and her child. He said, but when you said yes, and remember how I said yes, I said yes in my weakness. I said yes in my in my lack of knowledge, all I had was faith. All I had was my willingness to be available and to pray. He said, but when you prayed, 
something in me was stirred, and I said, "Church, let's pray." And he had he had he had a queue of people waiting for him. You know, it wasn't just me. It was it was just a God moment in that it was life in dry bones. Things were connected together. There are things that were established in the church in that day that are still going on today. Sinews have been established. Covering have been created. Life had come. And so church, I want to encourage you, those people listening online, for all of us, I want to encourage us, where we see dry bones, prophesy to the dry bones. Where we see a lack of sinew and a lack of connectedness, let's be the connection. Here's an example, just an example. Um, I was, uh, Wednesday this week, I was in a room with a bunch of other teachers and lecturers and there was a whole bunch of people sitting on the table and we didn't know one another. And so I introduced myself to the first person, I think her name name was Louise. And I I didn't know any of them. And then I said, Louise, let me introduce you to, sir, what's your name? And in the end, I introduced the whole table to the whole table. But otherwise, we would have sat there in our own little world with our own mobile phones going... And we would have sat through the, the, the presentation and then we'd have probably got up and left. Do you know what? When the presentation had finished and every, most all the other tables had gone, but our table was still sitting there talking. And I'm just sure it was about connection. It's about the fact that we share life one with another. It's about the fact that we... And I, I, I believe there's a place where we can see, leave God's fingerprints over things. We can touch things and we can shake hands and we can leave evidence in people's lives of what God is doing because of the light and life that is in us. As I read from Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, the light that is in us burns brightly. Sometimes people will come. To, I believe there will be people today who this week, somebody will come to you and say, Why are you smiling? There'll be other people who, somebody will come to you and say, yeah, you look really comfortable today. Why, why are you so comfortable? There'll be somebody else who comes to you and says, do you know, look, you look really peaceful today. What's happened? And that's the moment where we speak. That's where permit, a pla- God has established a platform. He's opened up an opportunity. And they come and they ask a question. My final story. Um, I used to work with a guy called Charlie many years ago. Charlie was one of those salesmen who um, had a mouth full of words, rude and not rude. Um, And you could hear him in the office. When Charlie was in the office, everybody knew Charlie was in the office. He was good at his job, but he was pretty tough. I remember walking into the company about 8.30, a particular Monday morning, and as I walked into reception, I said to the receptionist, Jane, how are you? And she said, fine, have you, have you seen Charlie yet? I said, no, no, I'm literally just walking in the front. It's amazing. Oh, okay. I go up to my office, and as I go up to my office, I go past uh, Roger, who's, who's there. I said, have you met Charlie yet this morning? He said, no. What's happened with Charlie? It's amazing. It's incredible. I said, oh. So later on, uh, whilst I was getting my coffee and get, making a coffee, somebody else at the coffee machine said, David, have you seen Charlie yet this morning? I said, no, everybody's talking about Charlie. What's going on? Now, I, I thought maybe, you know, maybe he'd broken an arm, something like that. You know, somebody coming into work with a broken arm. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. But, or maybe coming with, with a bruised face, because I could imagine the way he was. He's the kind of person somebody might thump from time to time. But uh, no. Anyway. 
I walked into the sales office and you could hear Charlie's voice because you could always hear Charlie's voice when he was in the office. And he was, there was no swearing going on. And he was full of life, but he was full of a different kind of life. There was a smile on his face. He was exuberant in a positive way. He was encouraging people. So I went into Charlie's office. I didn't shut the door. I went to Charlie's office and said, Charlie, seems like you've had a good weekend. Did you, did, did you win? I knew he, he, he bet on the horses. I said, he wasn't a Christian, as far as I was aware. So I said, did you have a win on the horses over the weekend? He said, no, 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 I've had an amazing weekend. I've been away at a conference all weekend. Oh, what kind of conference was that? He said, a church conference. My wife's been going to church for a, a number of months now, and she persuaded me to go, and we went. She said, I found this guy called Jesus. He said, you know what? He said, you know, I've messed up and I've got some things wrong. He said, but I'm going to change the way I'm doing things. He said, because I'm a changed man. And yeah, and I just listened to, I just sat back and listened to him. He just talked then for probably seven, eight minutes at the top of his, well, not quite at the top of his voice, but at the kind of level that I'm talking to you now, everybody else in the office could hear. And it was a captive audience. Do you know what? There was life going on. There'd been life released in Charlie's world. He'd found Christ, his saviour. He'd found a God who truly loved him. He no longer needed to fight. He no longer needed to cuss and to, to, to be rude and objectionable. And in fact, over many weeks and months, lots of things changed. His team changed. There were some people who left because they couldn't cope with the change in him. Because he was a nice guy. He had been radically touched and radically moved. And that's the kind of life that I want to live. That on a day-to-day -day basis, we live and breathe. We speak life to these dry bones. We speak hope to these bones. We speak hope to one another. And so let me pray. I hope you've been challenged this morning. I want to pray in three dimensions this morning. Number one, I want to speak encouragement to those who are still yet discouraged. If maybe there's something that's looming in your life right now, maybe it's uh, someone who's uh, fighting with you, objecting to you, standing in your way, and you just, uh, you know, they just, just seem to be a block. I want to encourage you, pick up what you have, go with what you have, do with what you have, and ask God to go with you, and just see what will happen. Be encouraged. Be filled with hope. Be refreshed with purpose. Be touched by grace. So, Father, for God, for anybody who this morning is discouraged, whether it's online, listening later, or here in the room in church, Father, I speak encouragement to their very inner being. I speak encouragement uh, to their mind and to their heart. I speak your encouragement to them. They're good people and they're on a path with you. Lead them and guide them. Light their path, I pray, in Jesus' name. And next I want to pray for those who, uh, the Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, and I don't know whether you've ever had your hope stirred. You think, yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen this time. And then it doesn't. And I'm thinking now, particularly as I've spoken about as Ezekiel was encouraged to prophesy about words that have come to us through God's word, 
through others, through prophets. And they've not come to pass as we've expected them to come to pass. And I want to speak life to those prophetic words, to those dry bones. Come alive again in Jesus' name. Be fulfilled in your lifetime. Let God's word come to pass. Because he who promised is faithful. And if there's a word that you have folded up and put away and put into the back of your diary, and even as I'm praying right now, you just sense that word is stirring afresh. I'd encourage you to find it in your diary. Write it out again. Pray over it. Pray it through. And just see what God will do. Prophesy to the prophecy that God's will will be done. And finally, to each one of us, to all of us listening, we would be life and hope to others. We will be light in dark places. We will be encouraging words in places of discouragement. We would be healers willing to lay hands because God calls us to pray over the sick, pray for the sick. And so we would pray with boldness and with faith and see what God will do. And so, Father, hear our prayer. Hear our cry. Hear us, Heavenly Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's set a seal on the words that I've shared this morning as we close out our time of worship. Shall we stand? Philip, Renizzi, you're going to lead us. I need to put someone down.